0: Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast Weekly Sermon Podcast. We want you to know that we're excited about our brand new church facility located on 1331 Cove Road in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We offer two Sunday morning services with something for everyone. We have kids' classes for all ages so parents can enjoy the service while the kids learn about Jesus. We'd love to host you in person, 930 or 1130 every Sunday. Now here's Pastor Marco with another encouraging word. If you have your Bibles, our Bible reading is going to come from Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, and uh, if you saw that video, the next few weeks, I want to take us on a journey through the gospel of Mark, and I want us to rediscover Jesus, because I do really, I really believe this with all my heart, Jesus is for everyone, and Jesus has a plan for everyone. Unfortunately, so many things has gotten in the way of that. We've caked it up with so many other stuff. We've made it about all these peripheral things that have nothing to do with why Jesus came. And I wanna take us to the oldest gospel that we have, Mark, which is the closest thing that we have to show us truly who Jesus is. And I pray that you go on this journey with us for this next few weeks because we're gonna untangle this stuff. How is it that all of a sudden Jesus became part of people's crews that think that they all, they have the copyright of Jesus. You know, how, how, how do we get denominations? How do we all of a sudden are filled with abuses that people think that's what Jesus is? And, and, and so many layers, and I, I want to unpack it, but today I want to, this is almost like a, a pre-sermon series talk, and I want to begin with Jesus' baptism. Because you just saw people get baptized, Jesus got baptized. And I believe his baptism has a lot to say to all of us, even if, again, the challenge with this, with this series is that if you've been in church long enough, you have a tendency to go on cruise control. But I pray that you open your heart today. Because I do believe that the longer you are in church, the longer you run the risk of becoming religious and stop following Jesus. I believe Jesus called us to follow him deep and close and intimate. And I believe it changes us from within just like you heard his great testimonies today, I am fascinated, I am intrigued by the fact that Jesus lived 2,000 years ago and today, 2019, these people are saying, no, he changed my life. Yeah. Like, even if you don't believe in Jesus, that's, that's intriguing. Yeah. Right. Right. To me, even if you're an atheist, you have to be intrigued by that. How is it that this Jesus is still changing lives, not just in New Bedford, but all over the world? This is happening today, and I want to give you some glimpse, some, some clues today, and I pray you, you lean in a little bit, because I believe this can change your life. I know we say this every week, but I truly believe this can change your perspective in life if you get a close look at Jesus. Can you say amen? Yes. So Mark begins his gospel by telling you the baptism of Jesus, and how that relates to us today, 2,019 years later. The Bible says this, at the time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the the Jordan, just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descended on him like a dove. In a voice from heaven, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Can you say Amen. Untangling Jesus from religion. And of course, the first question you got to ask is, wait, isn't this a religion? It is, but I don't think Jesus meant to start a religion. As I read the Gospels again, and I've read it many times, I see it once again that Jesus never intended to birth a religion. I see that Jesus came to help us understand who God is and how to have a relationship with him and how to live a life that's truly a life that is filled with grace, filled with truth, filled with meaning, filled with purpose, filled with understanding, basically filled with heaven on earth. That the goal was never to accept Jesus so you can go to heaven. The goal was to accept Jesus so you can live heaven on earth. That's the whole point that Jesus came to show us when he he prayed, let your kingdom come and let your will be done, he's talking about the now. He wasn't talking about later, some pie in the sky somewhere, somehow. But he was talking about how you live your life today, how you relate to God, and how you relate to each other. Can you say amen? And so I I really pray that you're going to see Jesus in a new way, in an irresistible way, in a way that maybe you didn't see growing up because religion got in the way, in a way that you didn't see growing up because some people got in the way and some philosophies got in the way, some worldviews got in the way. But I do believe that if we can unclutter all of this, we can see Jesus and we can have a different perspective. I'm not saying it's not going to be messy because I'm messy and so are you. But we can still find the message in the mess. That's why I love that video. I want it to feel messy. I want it to feel, because that's how it is. That's how you grow. It's in the mess. It's never gonna be perfect. I pray pray we understand this. We have to get away from this mindset that, you know, it has to be perfect. It's never gonna be perfect on this side of life, but we can still find Jesus. So my friends, today I wanna ask you this question. Why would Jesus, the Son of God, which means equal, with God, why would he get baptized? Think about it. Jesus doesn't have a, a before Jesus lifestyle. It's not like he's like, hey, before I was Jesus. Right? So why would the Son of God get baptized? Right? And, 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 and then another question that I want us to wrestle with today is why does God the Father choose these words over Jesus in this very moment? He could have said so many things. Why does he take this moment as Jesus is getting baptized to say, you are my son in whom I am well pleased? Like, doesn't Jesus already know that he's God's son? Why is God the Father saying these exact words in this moment? I'm telling you, stop, read the gospels, ask questions, because there's so much to untangle in these things, right? How many times you've read that and just kind of breezed over and not really asked and say, wait, wait a minute, why would Jesus get baptized? And two, why is God the Father taking this moment to say these words over Jesus? My friends, first, the most, first of all, in order to untangle a lot of this religiosity that we've caked up over Jesus, you have to understand that Jesus was a full human being. I think we gloss over that too quickly. We like the divine side of Jesus, and rightly so. He is God, but he's also human. See, if Jesus is not fully human, then he has no idea what you're going through right now. How can Jesus help you in your struggles if he's not relatable fully as a human being? How can these people say, Jesus has helped me through my struggles, if Jesus doesn't understand what it means to struggle? Right, why would you pray to someone who has never experienced what he means to be human? You see, he was fully human, which means he felt what it means to be human. When he felt pain, he felt struggle, he had questions, he had worries and anxiety, and you're like, wait a minute, wasn't he perfect? Yes perfect in a sense that he never lose sight of God's will but also human in a sense that he cried out to God in moments of struggle. Jesus was one time was so anxious about going to the cross that he sweat blood. And if you look it up scientifically speaking that's the highest level of stress that you can get to. How human is that? That the son of God is so stressed that he sweat in blood. Jesus cried Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He said, man, I've been trying for so long to bring you to the will of the Father. Jesus cried when his friend Lazarus died. Even knowing that he was going to raise him from the dead, he felt what it means to lose a loved one. Jesus felt betrayed when Judas betrayed him with a kiss. And he said, friend, why do you betray me with a kiss? My friends... He was fully human. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, Jesus says, I, can, I know how that feels like. It's so critical that we understand this part. Because if we gloss over this, then when you're going through stuff, you think he doesn't care, he has abandoned me, he has left me. No, Jesus came to embody what he means to be human. So you know... Paul, the apostle, as he was reflecting on Jesus, when he was writing a letter to the people in Philippi, he said this about Jesus, his humanity. Look, he said, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, fully human. He took his divine attributes, put him on the shelf and said, for the next 33 years, I'm going to go and experience fully what it means to be a human being. My friends, to me, this is the ultimate episode of the undercover boss. Yeah. <laughs> the CEO of heaven says, I'm going to become the custodian. I'm going to serve so they can see me in full human experience. You're hurt because you're human, so did Jesus. You have questions, you have worries, you have frustrations, you have dreams and hopes and aspirations. Jesus can relate to what it means to be human. But Jesus decided to fully submit himself to the will of the Father in order to point us to the Father himself. That's why he came. He says, I didn't come for myself, I came to reflect who God is to humanity so they can know that there's a God who loves them and cares about them, which meant that he had to submit even to being born. Like today, we dedicated babies. These babies already have an identity. They already have a purpose. They're just gonna grow into that. Think about it. Here's God becoming a baby. That should blow your mind. The God of the universe says, I'm going to submit myself into what he means to be a baby. In a human body. A virgin birth takes place. Now, think about this from a natural standpoint, my friends. Do you think if you lived in Jesus' day, would you truly believe that Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit? You see how we quickly glossed over these things? Like, if you lived in that neighborhood, by the way, he lived in a small village, which everybody knew everybody. And homegirl tells you, I'm pregnant by God? <laughs> exactly. Would you believe her? Of course you wouldn't. We have the hindsight of looking at the story, now 2,000 years removed. Now, put yourself in that place where this little girl, this teenager says, I'm pregnant, but it's not your usual pregnancy. You're like, that's what's wrong with your church people. <laughs> Y'all be hearing God and all this stuff. Y'all making up all this craziness, right? So now, 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 listen to me. Imagine being this kid growing up in a village where people don't believe that you were conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, be human for a second. How do you think it feels to have this stigma and this noise and this gossip going around like, yeah, that's that kid? I'm telling you, we need to get closer to this thing, right? To really understand why he gets baptized and why is the father saying this in this very moment? He grows up in a small village where Christians it this way, girl, you need to pray for Mary. Because she thinks she heard from God. And, you know, Joseph, I don't even know how that dude does it, putting up with this stuff. Think about it. Joseph also didn't believe until an angel showed up and said to him, no, this is from God. Now, imagine both of them having to live with this stigma all their lives, raising a child. That people are saying, ah, we don't know what's going on there. You ever felt unwanted? You ever felt lied to? You ever felt betrayed? You ever felt people talking behind your back? This is how he grew up. He grew up hearing all these rumors, and I don't care how much you think you are the son of God. Humanly speaking, that will mess with you. Imagine his psyche, growing up. If he's a hundred percent man, this must mess with him because you know who you are, but people think you are something else. My friends, take a closer look at Jesus, and you see a man who grew up in obscurity for 30 years in a small village where everybody thought, oh, yeah, we, that's that kid. And to make matter worse, his own brothers and sisters, which, by the way, they had brothers and sisters. Go read your Bible. Said, you're a little weird. (laughs) You ever had your own siblings mess with you? You a little weird. (laughs) Right? You must be adopted. One time they told him, hey, why don't you take this message like somewhere else? Why don't you go to Fair Haven with your stuff? Because you're making us feel very weird. With your little message here, like, you're the son of God. You got the savior complex. Imagine growing up with all this. But still be willing to say, no, there's a plan. And I'm going to submit to it. So you understand, when we get to the baptism, this is 30 years of living in obscurity. 30 years of people misunderstanding you. 30 years of people having their own opinions about you. 30 years of saying, oh, there's a time and a place that I'm gonna come into submission and fruition of God's will and purpose for my life. And I know we live in a microwave society, but God takes his time to mold you and shape you in secret. 30 years, we can't wait for the microwave. Sometimes the microwave is going in at 10 seconds, you get impatient, you stop it. <laughs> you ever stop the microwave at five seconds like it's too long? <laughs> 30 years, my friends, I'm 41. 30 years, the Son of God submits to God's plan and timing in the middle of noise from the outside world, trying to define him, trying to mold him and shape him, trying to discourage him, trying to deviate him. So does Jesus know what it feels to be human? I, I think he does. So Jesus is not getting baptized because he has a sinful past. My friends, this is where we get baptism wrong. He's not getting baptized because he has a sinful past. He's getting baptized because he's submitting to the will of God. And he's saying, listen, there comes a place and a time where God now becomes the main voice that validates your life and nobody else around you. Understand this, how powerful this moment is. Son of God being baptized, and the first time we see the mystery of the Trinity, the Father speaks, the Holy Spirit comes, and hears the Son in the middle of it, and the voice says, you are my Son, in you, I am well pleased. Do you know what the Father is doing? He's validated his Son, just like all of us want to be validated in life. All of us want to hear someone says, I love you, I'm for you, I, I don't care what other people say. I see this every day, I have five kids who every day want my validation. Every day, throughout the day, I hear this, Dad, look! (laughs) Dad, watch! Dad, watch what I drew! Dad, can you see this? Dad, check out my new shot! Dad, watch what I did! I just beat Mario! brother! next level! Like, throughout the day, Dad, look at my drawing! Why? Because we crave for validation. And we die without validation. If we don't find the right validation, we will look for it somewhere else. You have to understand, my friends, I pray we catch this today. The whole point of baptism is not necessarily that you were bad. The whole point was that you didn't know who you were. I wish we understood this. Because that will change the way we talk to people about Jesus. It's not about who's bad or good. It's who is really becoming who they're supposed to be. Who's being validated. Who is being encouraged. Who is being spoken over so they can come into being and become who they were called to be. My kids are not bad. They just want validation. You're not bad. You just didn't know who you were. The whole purpose of God in this moment is to say, no, I know what they've said about you, but I know who you are. You are my son and I love you and I am well pleased with you. Now get this, this is where it gets good. The fact is, Jesus said, I came to show you the Father. And the Father says, whatever the Son does, I glorify myself through him. So in this moment, it's not just about Jesus, it's about you and I. And God is saying, oh, I know I created you to be. I love you, and I'm for you. I am pleased with you. Because the truth is, all of us, majority of us, let me say majority of us, grew up with father wounds. Some of us never heard our dad says, I'm proud of you. And we don't say directly that we don't feel it, but the way we act says, I'm trying to prove myself. I'm trying to be somebody in the world. I'm trying to show you I'm worth it. This is our fight, it's our battle. Everything that we're doing, some of us are killing ourselves in school so we can say, look at me. Look at my certificates. Look at my degrees. Look at my bank account. Look at my car. Look at my house. Validate me. Look at me. (laughs) It's our fight. It's for validation. It's for purpose. It's for meaning. Look at how well I preach. Look at how well I worship. Look at how well I do what I do. Look at me. Tell me that I'm worth it. And the problem is, because we don't have it, we don't validate each other. We barely like ourselves. My friends, I know the cliche is God loves you, but that to me is too cliche. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the fact that God actually likes you. Because we say as Christians, we're supposed to love everybody, but the truth is we don't like everybody. No, we gotta go deeper. This is God saying, oh, guys, I love you, but I actually like you. And I wanna validate you. So, a day like today, it's not just about you guys, it's about all of us. All of us gets reminded, oh my God, I also need the Savior, and I also need validation. Some some days, if we're gonna be honest with ourselves, with all our degrees, with all our bank account, we just want someone to say, man, I like you. You're okay, my book. Come on, let's be honest. If we strip away all the stuff, why, why do we go crazy over one Instagram post? We take 30 minutes to post one picture from the right angle and with the right caption. Why? So you can say, I like that, I like that, I like you. That's what we're looking for. All of us. Even the ones who are like, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. Basically saying, please validate me. Please tell me I'm okay. Please tell me I'm good. And that's the struggle, isn't it, the religion. It's to do things to feel good. But the problem is, Father's making a point here. It's not what you can do for me. It's who you are. See, you have to understand, Jesus hasn't done one miracle. He hasn't preached. He hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't called any disciples. And God's saying, no, none of that stuff validates you. I validate you. My relationship with you is what validates you. If you notice, we meet each other, what do we say? What do you do? As if that's what defines us. We never ask, who are you? Think about it. You could do a lot of things, but who are you? And if you stop doing those things, does that mean you stop being you? I'll never forget the day Michael Jordan was inducted into the Hall of Fame. We're excited. This is This is Mike, the GOAT. And it reveals so much about Mike that day. It was hard. It was sad. I was watching it with my wife. And we were sad. Because you can see, oh Mike, your validation came from basketball. He talked so much about himself. He put so many people down. Because he's Mike. And everybody in the room felt deflated, like, oh Mike, you don't have to be spiritual to read between the lines. Mike, basketball validated you. How sad. One time, 60 Minutes interview, Muhammad Ali, another goat, in his garage, shaking, from all the shots to the head, shaking, in his garage, it was telling, he's showing all his trophies, but the trophies are all filled with spider webs and cobwebs, and he's still saying, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, oh, Muhammad, no one validated you as you. My friends... God is saying, I like you. Not because of your bank account or your car or your ministry. I like you. I like you. I just like you. You know what that does, my friends? It levels the playing field. No one is more spiritual than the other. No one is more wise than the other. No one is more clever than the other. Oh, I speak in tongues. Yeah, but God likes you. Not because you're speaking in tongues. <laughs> just likes you. It takes the pressure off. Can I tell you what Jesus did for me? When I, when, when I understood this, you know what Jesus did for me? More than anything else, he made me like myself. That's my testimony. Jesus made me like myself. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Never got shot, never did drugs. (laughs) Because then you say, that's the hardcore testimony. (laughs) Got shot five times, made it, Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) I want to set us free today. Your testimony is God likes you. And he's for you. And he speaks over you the same way he speaks over Jesus, he's saying that's you too. I include you in Jesus. The whole purpose of this thing is for you to become who you're supposed to be. And some of us wake up to this reality at uh, whatever age you are. It's not about age. Age is nothing but a number. A number is nothing but a thing. Old, old school. Old, I'm not going to say her name because There's some weird things going on around that situation. But God likes them too. That's the thing. That's the thing. We think God likes us because fill in the blanks. The moment you start putting parameters to whom God likes, you already missed the point. You already missed it. Because he says, no, I came to level the play field. I was talking to Miss this week, and he... He said he went to a conference, and he heard this statement, and I said, like, man, that's it. That's what I'm trying to say. Can I show you what I'm trying to say? It's all I'm trying to say. It's this quote from Christine Kane. Look, your life is just a process of learning who you truly are. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, nice. This is it. <clears throat> this is it. <clears throat> but again, because we don't know that we are liked already, We're trying so hard to earn something that's already ours. We think we have to earn it. We think, what do I have to do? How much money do I need to have? How many followers on Instagram? What's the ministry that gives me the most exposure? God's like, no, look, my son, 30 years in obscurity, waiting for his time. Understand, I pray you catch this. This is not Jesus arriving. Because we, we've bought into this idea that we, one day I will arrive. This is not Jesus arriving. This is Jesus just coming into the fullness what he already knew he was, and God's saying, I knew that all along. So guess what? When you stop preaching, when you start healing, when you start restoring, none of those things are going to define you, and nobody can define you because I already defined you. I already told you who you are. Oh, my goodness, we are loved, my friends. We are loved. Your love for us, oh God, is, is before we do. Please write this down. Before you do, you are. Before you do, you are. Next time you meet someone for the first time, let's let's start a new trend. Let's ask people, who are you, instead of what you do. Let's have the right validation metrics. Because we have a tendency, if someone says, I'm a businessman, we already put them in a category. Ooh, businessman. I'm homeless, ooh, homeless. But Jesus told a story of a businessman and a man named Lazarus. And he flipped it. He said, man, you had all the accolades, you have all the validation. This man had nothing, but he trusted me, so I'm going to flip that. Go read your Bibles, my friends. We all have caste system we've created. It's dangerous. It's dangerous in the church. We have spiritual accolades where people fit. Don't get me wrong, there's skills, there's talents, but the playing field is the same. When you hear someone says, at least I'm not like, they're already lost. You ever heard people say, That person really needs Jesus? And you're like, you have no idea how much you need Jesus? Y'all ain't going to talk to me today. I pray we understand. (laughs) Who you are determines what you do. It's not what you do that determines who you are. That's God's economy. I know the world's economy is, show me your resume. God says... I just like you. <laughs> and I know that's crazy because we live in the world with worldly metrics. But he says, yeah, but don't be of it. You don't have to act like it. You can actually help redefine it. You can actually help reshape it by how you live and how you treat others. Can you say amen? amen. My friends, today I pray we catch this. We are human beings. Not human doings. Why do you think he made it a commandment for us to rest at least once a week? He's trying to make a point. He says, my point is rest so you know where your blessings come from. So you don't think you're the one that's making all this stuff happen. Because after a while, we flip it. We say, look what I've done. There was a guy, another guy in the Bible who said, look, I've accrued everything I can. Now I'm going to rest. He said, you're a dummy. Not my words. (laughs) Pastor calling me a dummy? No, Jesus is. (laughs) But with love. (laughs) You're a dummy. (laughs) With love. (laughs) Like MJ says it, with love. I pray we understand this. Here's what Jesus does for all of us if you accept it, because you have to accept it. It's just basically this, look, in Jesus, we are forgiven, we are justified, and we are accepted. Leave that up there for a little bit. I want that to get into our system a little bit. You don't earn any of this stuff. It's a gift. It's a gift of him submitting himself to that water, into the will of the Father, to say, Listen, whatever is happening in me is gonna happen in you. It's an exchange. Hey, I'll take your sinful nature, I'll give you my divine nature. I'll take all your sins, I'll give you my forgiveness. Hey, stop trying to justify yourself like the dog ate your homework. Stop. Stop, because I am the one that justifies you. And, and, and stop trying to get accepted with your followers, or with your ministry, or with your bank account. Stop. You are already accepted. That's freedom, my friends. Because no matter what you do in life, some people just won't like you. They, they, they just won't. Like, I feel pretty good about myself. Then I'm like, man, you don't like this? want to be like, what's wrong with you? Because I'm pretty cool. So don't let other people define you because they haven't known who they are yet. Most people talk about you because they don't like themselves. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Because here's how I feel. You're too boring for me to be talking about you. That's a good word. Like, I don't have time to be talking about you. You're too boring. I got stuff to do. I got things to do. I got mission. I got purpose. Ah, I, I don't have time. Anybody who spends time talking about people are boring. It's like, man, you should have life, man. I at least read your Bible. Not out of guilt, because you want to know, who am I really? You know how this changes everything, my friends? I was talking to someone the other day. I'm like, I don't know why people have a hard time praying. But then it dawned on me. Oh, when people say, oh man, I, I, I can't be consistent in prayer and read my Bible, I, then I, it dawned on me this week. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now is because you think you have to pray in a way that you have to earn God's love and God's opinion and God's perspective. And so you try very hard to have the right words, but you didn't realize at the end of the other conversation is someone who and said, I like you, let's talk. Let's just hang out. I just want to be with you. I'm your friend. Man, that changes your prayer life. You don't have to the other guy, God already said, bro, it's just chill. I wish I could just meet people and they stop looking at me like, pastor means like, I'm like here, you're here. Right, right, right. Like sometimes I just want to hang out with people. I just want to go and get some wings. <laughs> and when I say bless the food, I don't mean bless Africa and Iraq and Iran <laughs> and try to impress me with your prayer life, just say, God, thank you for these wings. Amen. <laughs> Can't hang out with someone without them. And you know, Pastor, you know what I did when I came here? I did this thing and this thing, and I, and I had this ministry and that ministry, and you know, I'm pretty good with this and this and that. I'm like, can we hang out? <laughs> I'm trying to get to know you, and not a version of you you want me to know. Now if me, knucklehead, feels that way, how much more is God going, how are we going to talk? How are we just going to talk or are you going to keep pretending? Doe almighty God, are you talking to Shakespeare or to me? This changes the game. If the CEO can serve, what do you want me to do? The CEO said, I came to serve. And we over here like, yo, here's my resume. (laughs) How do you think Jesus says to those things? I don't know. I just think that he has a sense of humor. I think he goes, angels, you hear that guy? (laughs) He's got better resume than I do. (laughs) My friends, I pray we... understand this you never graduate from God's grace you don't here's what happens if you graduate from God's grace two things will happen when you graduate from God's grace you either become a legalistic person who thinks I need all those rules and regulations to please God or you become an emotionalist where God is your feelings he may be there, may not be there, depending on how you feel. But grace says, No, I have overcome the law so you can have freedom. And grace says, You're not a sum of your feelings. Grace, my friends, is where we'll continue to drive you through your life. We grow. Jesus said, He, he grew in stature, He grew in grace, He grew in truth as a human being. He says, I want you to do the same grow in my grace. And in my truth, my passion in life, my greatest passion in life, is to introduce people to Jesus, not religion. So I do my best to simplify this thing, because I want to level the playing field. And I know some people struggle with that, because they want... Us to pretend that we're more than we are than to say this is who we really are. I was sharing with the staff this week, I said, Can you imagine if I came up Sunday morning and I begin to say I'm a pastor but I struggle? Some people would be like, Honey, let's find another church because we want a perfect pastor, we don't want a human being. We like the romantic idea of perfection versus the reality that it's a mess. But in the mess, we find the message and we find the healing and the restoration. And I I need you to get this. True fulfillment will only come from knowing who we are in Him. Not in our spouses, not in our children. It's amazing. God gives us spouses and children. We turn them into idols. Not in homes. You prayed for the home. Now the home became an idol. Not for the ministry. We pray for the ministry and the ministry became the focus. Now in him, Bible says in him we live, move, and have our being. In him. So when he gets baptized like you did today, uh, I think he smiles down on you. And he says, man, I like you. I really do. You're weird, but I like you. I always tell the girls this, as a youth pastor, once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor. But I'm like, if he doesn't like your corny jokes, don't be with him. He has to like you, for you. Not for what he thinks you should be. So girls, you have corny jokes, tell them. And if he doesn't like it, move on. Because Jesus got someone who likes your corny jokes, because he created you to say corny jokes. I tell you, that's how I feel. You don't like this preaching? There's like 10, 20, 30 other churches down the street. There's got to be somebody that will appease your conscience because I'm going to be me. I'm going to preach the way Jesus called me to preach. That's all I can do. That's all I got. That's all I got. And I'll ride this thing. That's all I got. Sometimes you got to tell people, that's all I got. But all you got is enough because he likes you. He likes you. He doesn't just love you. He likes you. I want you to take this, put on your mirror, wake up every day and say, oh, look, God God likes me. Yeah, me. Not a version of me. Me. Because that's the struggle, isn't it? We can't truly be ourselves. Because we have to somehow fit into someone's version of ourselves. And that's what religion does. Talk this way. Act this way. Dress this way. Don't cut your hair. Cut your hair. (laughs) So now we're like, like, what do I do? My friends, baptism and following Jesus is about forsaking a false identity. And embracing a real identity. That's what this is. That's why I love Celebration Sunday. It should make us all say, am I living my true identity, or have I settled for a false version of myself? That's what, that's what this is. That's what this is. It's forsaking everything that's old that Jesus didn't define you by, and saying, no, oh, I'm going to embrace who he created me to be, because he likes me just as I am, but he's too good to leave me as I am. Isn't that the cool thing? He's like, I like you. You were drinking, smoking, destroying your life. But he's like, I like you too much to leave you like that. I got to purify you, change you, sanctify you, heal you, restore you. So here is my last point today. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. The new is here. What is the new? It's the new normal. My brother said, I do business different now. Why? Jesus is in the midst. Jesus went to a man named Zacchaeus' house who used to rip people off and had dinner with him. And people outside were like, how can he have dinner with that guy? Religion says who you can't have dinner with. Jesus says, no, I'll have dinner with him. What's fascinating to me about that story, they sit down, they have dinner. The Bible doesn't say what they talked about fully because, you know, we can't have all the details, but literally says he got up from the dinner and went, Jesus, everybody that I ripped off, I'm going I'm to pay back right now. The presence of Jesus brings the conviction to change. You don't have to tell someone you need to change. Here's what's funny to me. What's funny to me is we think that's revelation for some people tell them to change. They already know. (laughs) That's why, like, people want me to preach somewhere, and I'm like, you want me to preach about things that people already know? (laughs) One time, someone said, Pastor, how come you don't talk more about hell? Because I'm like, people are already living in hell. They need heaven. They need perspective. They need (laughs) wisdom. Give them something to strive for, not to be reminded of where they are. That's the gospel. You think God sees you as broken and hurting? No, God sees you whole, complete, blessed. And he says, "Now let's push towards that. That's my plan for you. That's my plan for all of you. That's the gospel, my friends. Anything less than that, it's just religion. Yeah, pastor, you didn't talk about behavior. Yeah, you know what? You could behave a certain way. But if you don't believe who you really are, sooner or later that behavior is gonna give you away. That's why we get surprised when people who were supposed to be prominent in society do something crazy behind closed doors. We're like, can you believe it? That's the problem. We put the horse, we put the cart before the horse. We say, no, that's who they are. No, you gotta know who you are first before you can behave a certain way because who you are determines how you behave. Of course behavior follows, because who in their right mind would accept grace and stay the same? (laughs) Does that make sense? When you accept something good, you're like, man, this is so good, I want more of this. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That's Jesus, who I believe is here right now in spirit, and he's confirming what I'm telling you in your heart. Now you got to make a decision. Do I trust what he says about me? Or do I trust what everybody else has said about me? That's where we live, in this tension. Yeah, but I grew up in a church. They told me that you got to do this, this, and this. Jesus owns the church. I think his word matters more. Yeah, but I've been burned by the church. I hear you. But Jesus died still for the church. Ah, I've, I've experienced abuse. I hear you. But he says by his stripes, you can be healed from every abuse, every struggle, every pain that you've gone through. See, when he died on the cross, he was dying for you. When he rose again, he was saying all things are possible. I can heal you. I can restore you. We can go on this journey, and you become brand new. So today, my friends, will you trust what Jesus says about you? Because when God the Father spoke over Jesus, he was speaking over you. He was saying, oh, I like you, and I'm well pleased with you. I don't see you as a mess. I see you as a message of my love and grace. Can you say amen? Come on, stand with me as we pray this morning. Would you like this gift of salvation? Would you like to receive Jesus today as the Lord of your life, the Savior? I didn't ask you if you like church. Do you like yourself? Because Jesus likes you. The whole thing is about you becoming who you truly were supposed to be. That's why we come every week. God, push me a little closer to who I'm supposed to be. Don't let other things define me. Don't let other people define me. Don't let society define me. You're not even defined by the fact that you struggle with doubts about God. You know, God can handle anything. You have doubts, bring it to Him. You have worries, bring that too. There's nothing that you can't bring to him. He's not shocked by any of it. He created you. He knows. So today I want to give you a chance to make Jesus the Savior. The one that says, I I like you. You don't have to earn anything. I just like you. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head? Because I like it to be personal. I want to pray over you. I don't care if you've been in church a thousand times. Are you living by the grace of Jesus or by religion? And if anything I said today resonated with you, and you're like, man, you're talking to me. I need this Jesus. I want forgiveness. I want healing. I want restoration. I want to live from a place of acceptance. I'm not trying to earn my approval. You're talking to me. If I'm talking to you with every head bow, eyes closed... Would you do me a favor? I want to join with you in prayer. Would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me. You're talking to me. I just want to see your hand. I just want to know who I'm talking to this morning. Thank you, Lord. So many hands. Anyone else? You're like, man, uh, you're talking to me. Coming, pray, Pray for me. Pray for me. I want this. I want this freedom. I want this forgiveness. I want this healing. Well, let's pray, let's seal this moment. I believe if you pray, and you mean it, it's a new day. I believe that heavens is gonna open up, the Spirit is gonna come, and He's gonna say, you are my son or my daughter. I am pleased with you, and I love you, and we're gonna go on a journey together. So pray this prayer with me. We're all gonna pray, but especially you, who are just making this decision today. You say, Father, Today, I heard you, and I'm responding to your love and to your grace. Just like Jesus, I want to hear you say, I love you, I'm pleased with you. So come into my life, forgive you my sins, be the one that justified me. I believe that I'm accepted by your grace. So I pray... In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, please share it with another person. And for more information, visit our website, newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.